What's going on? Nothing much. What's up with you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I uh, got over some sickness last week. Uh, I'm feeling much Dude, better this week. It's that time of year, man. I've been cycling through sickness. I think my January and February is just me being sick continuously, and it just goes from being severely sick to just a little sick. Yeah, like the nose is always running. Yeah, the day quills and night quills always flowing. Like it's just Fair. continuous. Fair. Um, yeah, no, I mean that's kind of everyone's got a little bit of that at all times. I, I mean, this is this is the worst two months two month stretch of the year. We were talking about it before. Dude, the too much two month Mental. stretch. Ah, uh, but other than that, but, things are pretty all right. That's good, bro. Is Kyle gonna be on soon? Yeah, I think he'll uh he'll he'll show up when he shows up, but we'll just we'll call him <laughs> in at some point. Um right. did you uh get a chance to check out the new podcast at all yet? I did not get to listen to it today, mm-hmm. but I certainly will be listening to it this week. Like I said, since it's not on iTunes, if it's on iTunes, I would have listened it to is, it today. It is, it's it is, it's back. It's there. It is now. Yep. We made it. Okay, let me go sub to it right now. It took a uh, like we just missed the launch of the podcast by like three hours, but gotcha. uh, okay. but yeah, but we're we're on iTunes now. That we're talking about the off the wall podcast here. Oh, yep, this I see it. Yep, let me newest, go subscribe. Yep, I think the new episode should be up now too. Uh, I see it. This is the oh, newest baby. podcast from the Nick's Wall Podcast Network. We've been talking about it a little bit the last couple of weeks. It is hosted by Joseph Nardone and Jared Mintz. Two just real, real good gentlemen who are going to break down the NBA and college basketball for you. And yeah, you can go subscribe to that now uh, on iTunes and most places where you get podcasts. We're still working on getting them on the rest. If there's anywhere that you're not seeing and you really want, uh, just you know, just hit us a mention, send us an email, whatever. Or- Realistically, what do what do people listen to for podcasts besides iTunes? I guess Spotify is kind of a thing now. Well, here I, have no I, idea. I just switched from a Stitcher. Yeah, I just switched from a really shitty, um, like I like I was rocking an iPhone five C for months. Um, I called it my smart burner. It was real bad. Um, wow. But I just switched. and I bought a really nice phone uh, from the startup company called Essential uh, that I really like. It's got a beautiful like full face display, um, everything like that. But it's a uh, but it's a stripped down version of Android, and I really dig that. It's uh, yeah, and but anyway, so I had to find a new um, new podcast system, and gotcha. I ended up going with uh, this app called Castbox. Okay, I just never thought so of far. anything else because I've only ever had an iPhone since. Yeah, I think I was in the sixth grade, and I had a T-Mobile Pay as You Go phone, so every text I sent was sacred. So if I sent you a text, like I really cared about you and I yeah, really yeah. wanted to make account, I would send the text, but I wouldn't just send like a what's up. You know, it had to be, oh, Everything. yeah, this yeah. and this and this and also that. It yeah, was because when, they were like five cents a text. Exactly. I couldn't waste it. And it was when the Giants were in the playoffs and they won the Super Bowl against Patriots in 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. And it was like those texts after the NFC Championship came and after the Bowl, I think I used up my card right then it was like i was just firing them off to all my friends like let's go it's yeah great. no i think i think that's perfectly reasonable i think uh it's like th- those are the days before the double text yeah now you can just send like as many messages as you want in a row and it's just We're like so spoiled you literally no it's it's like now you get fucking like you know four texts from someone when you could have just pressed you know just press enter press return 
and all of a sudden, you know, my phone doesn't vibrate eight times, it vibrates twice. Are you uh, a double texter? I am. I, I like I as much as I hate it, I am because I've just kind of that's I think that's kind of just the the texting language of our times. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I could go back, I would just I'd do it all over again. I don't even like I'm a pretty serial double texter. I'm very bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm like it, bad, it's yeah. fine. It's fine because that's what that's what the day is. You know, that's what we do today. That's how you use your phone. There's a whole social, you know, status that goes with it. I guess not so much status, but there, there's, you know, there's a way that you do it. There's a code. Yeah, and also, you know, if you're talking to someone, it, some shit isn't funny unless you double text it. You know, you, it's mm-hmm. all about the comedic timing. Even build when up. you're on yes. Twitter or you're texting someone, I mean, it still matters. You still yes. gotta, you know, build them up and then really surprise them. That's what I'm saying, dude. You can't just be out here with the huge ass bubble. No one wants to read a huge ass bubble, anyways. If I see a huge ass bubble, I put my phone down. I'm like, I'm reading that shit later. You can get hit with the reads for now, and I'll look at that maybe 10 minutes. All right, welcome everybody to the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. I've got Matt Spendley here with me today. What's up, guys? And joining us shortly should be Kyle Maggio. Uh, we are the a slacker. little the slacker. We're a little short on time today, so I think we're gonna hop right into it. Um, so let's talk about let's talk last night's game. Let's talk Knicks Dallas. Um, finally, back in the win column, inching a little bit closer to 500. Uh, give on me, the road. give me your, uh, give me your hits. So, obviously, one of those games I pointed out when I wrote a piece in November, I think, about the January-February schedule that was a game the Knicks needed to win if they wanted to be any sort of legitimate threat for that back-end playoff spot in the East. Because the games against the Dallases of the world, you know, the Memphis, these are the games that they're going to need to win in the long run if they want to be a threat. Uh, Last night... I love to see Porzingis get off to a hot start. I think he was two for his last nine, and the shot selection in crunch time was just atrocious. And I know some people, because I was also tweeting for last night's game, and I had a lot of people in my mentions that were talking about, oh, you know, he got fouled, so you can't blame him for that. But I'm like, no, you can't resort to the foul call every time and let the referees bail you out. He's still ending up in these situations where he gets the mismatch, and all you want him to do is get his ass on that low block. I'm like, KP... Get down there, back him down, do a little shimmy move, and then go baseline and bank it in because he's so good off the glass. There's so much more he can do, and I think it's just a combination of coaching and getting it through Porzingis' head that we can make this easier for you and you can be more efficient if you do X, Y, and Z when you get these mismatches. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I did see, I was watching some film school breakdown this morning. Um, my stream was pretty in and out. It's getting getting hard to find uh, decent streams these days. But yeah, I was uh, I was watching some film school this morning. And, and you know, there was, there's definitely some very clear gripes that KP, like, deserves to have uh, on some of these missed foul calls. But yeah, I do echo everything you're saying where he, he's got to be better about not getting himself into these situations, keeping his head a little bit more level. Um, and yeah, you know, he was 
up against a really good defender in Wes Matthews, who at certain points of the night uh, where, you know, it's not really you don't think of Wes Matthews being able to defend a seven foot three, you know, player like Porzingis. But he held him to I think it was 0 for five shooting. Um, and that says a lot. Right. That says a lot about KP's physicality. And you watched Wes Matthews called him soft multiple times. I think he called him soft and sweet. You know, like he's a cannoli or something. <laughs> so KP immediately looks for the foul call and immediately resorts to flopping. And that shouldn't be how he ends up getting his offense at all. Right. Welcome to the show, Kyle Maggio. What's up, Kyle? What's going on? What's going uh, on, friends? Nothing. We are actually, we're just getting into uh, Knicks and Dallas right now. Uh, Matt was just mentioning KP, uh, you know, we were talking about KP getting fouled that towards the end of the game and, you know, he's still having these gripes against the refs and, you know, these calls and everything. But, uh, like Matt was saying, you know, he's got to be better about getting into, not getting into these positions, not ending up getting these, you know, not being in a place where he can get these calls. Um, what else did you see from last night's game? Um, I just... I mean, I, I think maybe Matt touched on it. I don't know how far you guys got into the game, but um, I like I like that Frankie's aggressiveness as a whole. Like I, when people talk about aggressiveness, they mostly talk about you know driving to the basket or you know looking for contact or all those kinds of things. But I liked how aggressive he was in all other aspects. I mean, just trying to hit the boards a little bit harder. Um. You know, he made some really nice passes off of drives, too. I think he had that really nice little pocket bounce pass to Kyle O'Quinn in the lane. So, I mean, he was doing, I mean, I think he had a chase down block. Like, his whole play last night, his demeanor was really aggressive. And, yes, it was only seven points, but it was seven points. Was it seven rebounds or seven assists? Seven rebounds, five assists, and then five a assists. steal and two blocks. Yeah, I mean, as as a whole, it was like an aggressive game, despite, you know, maybe not all the points that you'd want to see. But that's kind of how his season's been. And that's why we're encouraged. Um, we've seen a lot of empty scorers in our day on this team for this Jimmy franchise. Smith Jr.? Oh, OK. Sorry. On this team. Okay. <laughs> Here we okay, go. Sorry. I didn't know we were getting into the takes yet. But, you know, we, we can we can get there. We'll have to warm up to it a little bit. For the fire yes. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but we've seen a lot of just empty scores, a lot of volume scores that didn't really contribute to anything else. And I think that's why folks are excited about Frankie's for games like last night when it's not scoring necessarily, but it's, yeah, he's driving and he's dishing and he's giving you, you know, a bunch of rebounds. He's giving you a bunch of assists. He's chased down blocking. He's looking like a compact LeBron out there with the chase down, Le- you know, just the chase down block. I'm not going to get carried away, guys, but. Yeah, you know, it's it's those little things that we haven't seen from his position. And that's why you get excited over a game like last night. So I really like that. Um, and, and also, I mean, about the KP stuff, he had a really as a whole, he had a good game last night, which, yeah, maybe it's not mega efficient. But after the, the last stretch that he's been on, it, just to see him get back in the high 20s, um, mostly look like he's in a groove out there, you know, not get three rebounds. I mean, that's. That's kind of what you want. Now, about the rebounding, just for a second, does it bother you? Because I've seen some people on Twitter just talking. Do you think that Porzingis' rebounding has regressed at all this year? Or were we expecting a more solidified, you know, maybe eight boards a game? Or do you think that Cantor's presence has made it less of a priority for him to really attack the glass? It's got to be a little bit of both. 
it's yeah, I mean, but I don't. It's Cantor in there, like for sure. He takes he takes up room. He's in walking double double. He had it, you know, in the first half last night. Um, you know, there's and there's other guys on the team who are going to give rebounds too. Like it's it's not always going to be in a position where KP and Cantor can get it. Um, so yeah, I think his his presence uh, affects that a lot. However, I don't think his rebounding has grown at all since last season. Like it, it's, it hasn't looked like it's well, regressed. It looks say. pretty stagnant to me. Hey, to me, it looked exactly the same as last year, and that's because he's playing the same position. It doesn't matter that I mean, yeah, Cantor being there and gobbling up every board imaginable doesn't help him as the biggest man on the team, you know, to get rebounds. But he played the four last year, and he, in today's NBA, you play the four. You don't really hang around the rim. Normally when we see him get boards, it's because he's like coming back towards the rim after playing some like trailing defense or helping on a rotation. Like normally he's like really far out there. So I don't know how much of it's actually he has a rebounding problem as much as it is. They're just not putting him. And this is the deadest of horses that we can beat. But, you know, putting him in his optimal position at the five. I I guarantee you, you put him at the five, he's going to average 10 just from being tall and at the five. It's. It, to me, it's not anything wild. I think we're getting stuck on the arbitrary. You know, he's got to get ten rebounds because he's seven three. Uh, you know, he's seven three. He's a big man. Right. He's got he's got to get ten rebounds or more. But he's getting eight while being dragged away from the hoop almost all the time. You know, so I'm not. I I, I don't know. To answer your question, I don't think he's regressed. I think this is just a, the exact same shit that he's done the last three years. And yeah. And there's no even if let's say he did hypothetically get better you know, rebounding a little bit, you would never notice because Cantor. So we, we can't make like, mm-hmm. you know, the assessments we want to make like, oh, well, he boxes out a little bit more. He does this to get a rebound better than he did the last couple of years because Cantor just swallows everything up and they play a lot of minutes together. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I don't think Porzingis's rebounding is necessarily like a make or break for him. You know what I mean? It's he's averaging seven boards. It's some people are always seven, three only averages seven boards. Give me a break. You got another guy that's out here gobbling. And I noticed a lot too. I think that they almost assign Cantor. They're like, listen, you crash the offensive glass and then pick up the defensive rebounds. But on defense, let Porzingis get those boards. If it's not contested, I feel like Porzingis is usually the ones that are grabbing and then handing off to the point guard. You know what I mean? And it's something that I like to look at. Cause I talked about it a lot last year with Russell Westbrook because he was getting all these uncontested rebounds, and that's why his rebound numbers are so high, also with Lonzo Ball, which is a completely different position, but that's why I started looking at those stats, and it's something that's interesting to think about, And because the rebounds that matter are the ones that you're grabbing in traffic and are important and you have to fight for, rather than the ones that are just going to fall off the rim and your point guard for grabbing. I wanted to talk about some of the other guys who got into the game last night because um, I saw after kind of not being alive for it seemed like a while, Kylo Quinn had a pretty standout game, and uh, and even uh, Billy got some minutes in there too. So I know those guys have their names being floated around a lot. What did last night's game kind of teach tell us about the upcoming trade deadline? The fact that Hernan Gomez entered the game tells me that the Knicks know he's on the market because why else would he have played? I Was Joakim Noah active last night? I don't believe so. Okay, yeah, so maybe that's part of it too. But I just, 
Now, I was, I mentioned it when I was tweeting for the Knicks wall for the game yesterday. I was the first one of us to write an article about Hernan Gomez. I found out about his game. I talked to some people that watched him play overseas, and I love him. He's a great guy. He's fun to watch. He seems like a great personality. Him and Porzingis are great friends. I just don't know where his stealing lies. Is your dog disagreeing with me? And is that Mason or Mello? That's Mason because Mello doesn't ever bark. And it's incredible that his yappy, whiny voice can get all the way upstairs into the office when he's all the way downstairs on the other side of the house. So he, I'm going to assume that he's agreeing with me then. Yes. So I really appreciate the love from Mace. Thank you. But that was uh, to your Dennis Smith's trash point. That's what. Yes. He was. OK. You know, he's just a little behind. He's like the referee from rebound that calls the fouls like a minute later. Mm-hmm. Am I? Yes. I don't know. I, I don't know if people remember that movie because it was pretty terrible. But that ref alone made the movie hysterical. But anyways, back to Hernan Gomez. I'm curious what you guys think about trading him, because at this point, I just don't know if it's worth it, because what are you going to get for him? Like, if you're going to trade a guy like that, to me, you need to get something back of value. And if you're just going to trade him just for the sake, like saying, oh, we got this guy on the roster and it's something that we'll get to before we have to get out tonight about the Trey Burke news that the Knicks are looking to kind of solidify his role on the team and bring him on. Um, he does, Hernan Gomez is not the guy you move just to get rid of him. Well, even though I don't know about his ceiling in general, he still clearly has the talent coming off the all rookie first team last year. I think to that point, though, I mean, a couple of things, but the first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, to when we've we've had raging debates about whether we should trade Billy or not. And I remember JB, you know, Nick's film school for our listeners um, brought up in one of the chats like, yeah, but at some point, doesn't it become less about, well, KP wants him here just to want him here. And at what point does Billy actually go, hey, man. I like playing with you. We're good friends. I like being on the same team with you, but I want to play. Like, as a professional, you know, you finally make it to the league. You had a good rookie year. You're going to want to play. And at, at what point does KP go, yeah, you know what? He should play. And if him you know, and Porzingis I, are as close as they say, that's definitely a conversation they've had multiple times already. You know what I mean? Right. And he's texting he, him. He's saying, yo, I'm really tight. I didn't get to play in the game tonight. And he's like, you know, just keep working. You'll get your shot. But you, he understands the frustration. As a friend, you totally get that part of it. Right, and you can't imagine KP sitting around going, yeah, you know what, bro, but if I'm going to resign for five years, $150 million, I'm going to need you to hang around and ride the bench as the 12th man for a little while longer. So do me a favor and and shut up, you know, shut up and deal with it. I I doubt that that happens. So, I mean, that's the first point. And the second is, look at what the the, uh, Sixers got for Jaleel Okafor. I mean, it wasn't anything outstanding, and his trade value was, I mean, it couldn't be lower. And... (laughs) Just off him being the kid that he was in college and he had a decent rookie year, all things considered, you know, um, they still got, you know, Trevor Booker from the Nets. And Booker was actually a very impactful player. Yeah. That's and, a and, very good years, even for the Jazz and then for the Nets. I was a little upset when the Knicks didn't grab him when he left Utah. Yeah. And now, I mean, they also, the Nets also got Stauskas uh, in the trade, so it wasn't just, you know, straight up. Yeah, but, and a pick, I'm pretty sure. I think they got a second-round pick. Yeah, too. so, you know, they they got some things, but the, the point is they still got um, something of value for it. So I, do I think Billy gets that haul? No, but I think as a, as a young guy with high upside, he is going to get something. I don't think you're just going to move him for the sake of moving him. Well, so if you're going to move him, would if I say I'll just give you a second-round pick, and, you know, if you have to fill some salary to fit it in, and I'm an average team, 
say I'm like the Clippers or something, and I just need some depth on my bench. You know, the Clippers are probably a bad example because they might be, you know, they're not the type of team that's going to be. I get the, yeah, but I get the just, you know what I mean? Would you do that second round pick and, you know, let's just fill some salary to make it work? Would you do that for a mid second round pick? I I think the way that this goes is like, I mean, maybe. I feel like that the the salary would have to be hopefully like a shooter, like hopefully a shooter who's preferably under twenty five. If you could find that in a second round pick, I might pull the trigger. So definitely not the Clippers. Definitely yeah, not. The not Clippers. They not had a guy there. named Tyrone Wallace play thirty three minutes for them two nights ago, and I had never heard of him before in my entire life, and he played thirty three minutes his NBA debut. Can we do so? Can we do this real quick? I want to try to. Can we list off a couple of teams that we think might need or might be uh, looking for a young big? I guess we can kind of throw like O'Quinn or Billy into this trade mix now. But are there any teams out there that are even looking for like a a big to develop at the at the moment? It's Hmm. difficult because there's a lot of young teams out there. But if you think about so when you, when you think young teams, I think, you know, like the Lakers are the first one that come to mind. But they have a guy, Ibika Zubox, that they drafted last year who had put on some good minutes last year. They're not going to want a guy like Hernan Gomez because they play similarly. Zubox might be they're, – they're, I shouldn't say they play similarly. They're both young centers that fill specific niche roles on a team. You think about a team like the Kings maybe, but then they have guys like Scala BCA who's not getting that many minutes. And Coley Stein's finally be getting some burn. And they have some other guys on the roster. Like they drafted Papianis, and he's been going in between the D League or the G League, excuse me, and, you know, the NBA squad. Teams like the Hawks, even, they have John Collins and Deadman. And funny story, they have this guy, Tyler Cavanaugh, who played for George Washington, which is where my sister goes. Mm-hmm. And I had talked a lot of smack about how a guy that went to Siena was better than him. And then Tyler Cavanaugh secured a fully guaranteed NBA contract this year. And the guy from Siena is playing in the Hungarian league. Mm. So I think I was wrong. Life <laughs> comes at you fast, my man. You know, it's hey, at least you're humble. Me, yeah. You know what? I'm still, I'm, I still believe he's better. I, I'm blinded by my loyalty. What can I say? It's fair. I mean, the only teams that I can, that I can see are like the, the bottom tier Western conference teams. And that's only yeah, because, and I'm looking at West yeah. right now and I see no, even the bottom tier teams, I can't see anybody who might want like maybe Memphis, well, but that's about it. Well, Memphis for sure, because they're looking to move on from Marcus to the second coming yes, of Marcus. So I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's the team that would do it. But I mean, I, if I don't they know. actually are willing to move forward with a rebuild, which they've shown no inclination to do so. You know, and not obviously not tra- like training for Hernan Gomez is a rebuild, but it's even a, a mini step in that direction. And they've showed no sign that they're going to go that direction at all. They still think that if they have Conley and Gasol together, that they still are a threat. So I think they're going to bottom out this year and then try to come back next year, get a good pick and then run it back. So I don't think a guy like Hernan Gomez would be in their plans. Honestly, I mean, just I'm just trying to think of team. It's just he'd be like Orlando or anybody. I can kind of see. Orlando maybe, doesn't know what they're doing. Maybe, yeah, I know, maybe, but that's okay. the whole thing because they just have no plan. Or like Washington is like basically the only other team that I'm seeing in here that might need them, but I don't really no. see how he fits in there. What about Portland? Because Portland made a trade for Nurkic, right? Mm. Yes, I mean, last year. right. So, don't, wouldn't they kind of need more of a post? presence i'm just trying to th- i mean they, they they got that fake zebo zach collins which i think that's got to be made up on basketball reference i don't Still know how yeah i don't buy it. It, it's not real there's only one zebo uh <laughs> one cynic always a nick but um 
I mean, they have him. They have. I think they still have Ed Davis. They do um, still have Ed Davis. I mean, I don't know that they have anybody who's really solidified themselves to to be there. I mean, they have Myers Leonard. Yeah, um, he doesn't even it's play like, much anymore. Then it's though. like, yeah. Then they have like Aminu, Harkless, uh, Von Ley. Harkless isn't a big, but yeah, forward, uh, they Von go small Ley. a lot because they also have Caleb Swanigan, who they just drafted. But you know, I don't, I don't think he's anything special. They like to play small. They'll throw some lineups out there where Aminu's their their big guy. You know. Yeah, like so Ed Davis is in his in his seventh season. I mean, maybe you take a flyer on Billy. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, so let's maybe kind of just turn it around a little bit here. And uh, like for O'Quinn, he's looking to more. They want to trade him more to a veteran. So yes, you know, like a better veteran, a veteran team. It, it is a different situation, even though they're kind of close in age. Um, I and like I'm looking down the list, and it, it's hard to really think of a ton of like competing teams who could use him either. So I don't really see. Right. Yeah. Hear me out. Hear me out. This may or may not go over well with what I'm going to propose, but there is a team in the Western conference, an upper echelon team. They have a backup center who I want to say is the same game as O'Quinn, but I could see him interchanging with O'Quinn and O'Quinn being impactful because of how that team is structured. Is it David West? No. And no. the Warriors? Oh, okay. No. That was my thought. I- I'm thinking, I'm thinking that he would be able to make a um, some sort of a impact on the Rockets. Because they have Nene, who has not been great this year. Nene loves to do uh, things in you know the, the post area. He loves to hang out in the paint, a little mid-range game. He's a Pretty decent passer, but on a team full of shooters, and O'Quinn could pass his ass off if there's anything else he could do. We Sometimes that's what gets him in trouble in New York because he's trying to squeeze in so many of these passes, and there's not a lot of spacing because we have no shooters. But on a team like the Rockets, where there's nothing but space, maybe he can go sort of take over that role from Nene. Nene's been bad. He's in year 15. I'm just saying... So, so I, let's say want you want to give him to the Rockets. Like that's fine. I think you could fit there. What do you want from them? Not Nene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! You don't want Nene on this team. You know, no. just right the wrong when they traded him for Antonio <laughs> McDyson. What was it like the two thousand five or two thousand four draft? Oh my God! What a terrible trade. I I don't honestly I have no idea what we could even. I, I think that would be a trade where we. Just get it a pick back. I, I don't know what. Maybe they're desperate and give us like a late first if they have a late first or just their second round pick. I don't. I don't really have no idea. But maybe we get a couple of seconds. I really. I really don't know. But yeah. I feel like. So not a, I feel like that's kind of. I feel like that's the move that you'd get from a contender that's looking for, uh, front court depth. I feel like you're just gonna get like, a, a late first that they've acquired somewhere at some point in time or just. Uh, a late, you know, a second round pick. I, I don't think he's worth more, or we're going to get more rather you know, our bias might take over when we say what he's worth or not worth. But uh, yeah. I think he's just so going to get salary in, in a second rounder. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like I, I, there's not like, what do the Knicks really need? Like what should we be looking for anyway is mostly just draft picks. So if that's all we can get back, like, you know, the late, the late first or like, I like these teams don't have, players that fit the mold for us so i don't really want to take back anyone anyway just give me whatever picks you have uh, i just want all i want all knicks fans to hear me say this 
Don't get delusions of grandeur when the Knicks have lost eight of their 10 games going into the trade deadline and you start looking and you say, maybe they can trade Kylo Quinn and get a first round pick. Maybe they can trade Courtney Lee and get like, you know, a pretty good first round pick. Teams are not giving up first round picks for these guys. It's not happening. Don't get crazy. Okay. Take what's going to come. You're going to hear rumors. You're probably not going to like whatever return they end up getting because I think NBA teams are infinitely smarter than they used to be, and the Knicks are still one of the stupidest teams. Let's keep that in mind. So I personally, it it depends on how the Knicks end up going here because I think O'Quinn is a perfect guy to have on any team. So if they're going to trade him, I so desperately want to see him be on a great team. Like That's why I said the Warriors because as much as I don't want to ever root for the Warriors – how fun would it be to see him playing instead of David West? He's working on the elbow and he's playing the, you know, the two man game with a guy like Sean Livingston or someone or Iguodala on the second unit. And they're running some of the plays that they run with McDermott for these guys that are shooters. Um, O'Quinn, even though I would hate to see him go because I've loved him since he beat Missouri with Norfolk State in the 2012 NCAA tournament. God bless. I. Uh, he seems like the the most likely candidate to be traded because I think the Knicks could still be all right and still validate that they're trying to win now if they trade him away once Hardaway comes back. Here's what we can do for now. Let's talk about the return that we we know we're going to get in the next couple of days is Trey Burke uh, finding his way from G League Player of the Month to uh, potentially, they're working on the paperwork from what we've heard, but a New York Knicks player. Um, so this is the end of Ramon Sessions. Sorry, you guys. Oh, man. Uh, really upsetting, you know? This, this is a great year. And this kind of pushes Jarrett Jack and Frank to kind of uh, get moving a little bit. But before we get ahead of ourselves here, how do you guys think that uh, Trey Burke is going to fare in the NBA playing for the Knicks and going against this kind of competition once again? I'd like to remind everybody that Jimmer Fredette balled out in the then D-League and then we <laughs> called him up and he did nothing. So as much as I, I'm always actively rooting for guys that we call up, I, I always you, you'd be a fool to root against a guy like Trey Burke who's balling out of his mind. But this is just serves as a reminder that the NBA is hard. What year did uh, did Fredette get moved up here? Two years was, ago, I think that was last year. It was last year? Was it two years ago? I, I think it was. It was I think it was at least two years ago. I don't think. It, I don't think we could have handled Derrick Rose and Jim. Yeah, Fredette. I was gonna I say like, was there any point guard for Jim Fredette to like? challenge like do we have a more do we have a more competent point guard core now or, or when jimmer Fredette played for the knicks i think you have i think now by default i think yeah when he was here was that colder own in okay yeah it was 2016 you guys are right i was i knew i was at a game and the knicks were up by 20 and my boy was just such a huge jimmer Fredette fan and they wanted to put it in so bad and he the crowd's chanting jimmer jimmer and refused to put him in it was hysterical mm. but i'm I don't know. The, the Jimmer thing's always the thing that I go back to because he tore it up for a while. He was getting buckets, and then he comes up here, and then it's just hard. The NBA is harder, and yeah. I feel like that's what we're doing again. And and you always, 
you always kind of fool yourself with this because you see the numbers. You go, well, the G League's a real competitive league. It's, you know, one of the best leagues in the world. You can, I think that's inarguable. It's like, I think it's on that next tier with, you know, the Euro Leagues and uh, China, maybe on the lower echelon. But um, I but definitely yeah, you come up here. And it, it's tough. And then you get buried on the bench because you only score six points off the bench. And then nobody, you did blow up like fans wanted you to. And then everyone turns on you and hates you. And then you're in China next year. I definitely, I definitely agree with you. The difference here, though, I think that Jimmer and Trey Burke play different games. And Trey Burke's game is kind of more in demand for the Knicks right now. They kind of want someone who's going to be able to get to the basket more uh, than Frank and Jared Jack have kind of been able to show lately, like maybe minus that game last night aside. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's the reason why I think he might be able to, to succeed here. And... You know, I, I don't I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the level of success is. We'll see how long it takes. Um, but I, I think he's at least kind of a tool that the Knicks could use in their, you know, to use on their belt right now. So he might end up having a slightly higher chance than, you know, for Denver. And I, and, I, and I will say that I don't want to make it sound like those two are the same. Like Jimmer just sucked in the NBA almost the entire time he was here. Like Burke was at least useful for a couple of years on a couple of different teams. Like he had some pretty good stretches with the jazz. If I don't remember, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not, okay. Okay. Hold on. Quickly. I disagree. Cause this is what I was going to bring up. I don't, I think we'd be remiss to not mention that. I don't think Trey Burke has ever been a good NBA player as a rookie. He averaged sure. He averaged 12 points and five assists, but I mean, he's shooting 38% from the floor. He's one of the worst defensive point guards in the league at the time. And the jazz were not a great team, but I don't think he's ever, done anything in the NBA that should lead us to believe that, oh, yeah, he's going to come up here and immediately be good for the Knicks just because he's been good in the G League because he was terrible for the Wizards. Ask Wizards fans what they think about Trey Burke last well, year. Ask well, no, I, no I, I agree. I agree. But what I'm saying is, like, Jimmer, I think, by all accounts, was just worse. Like, yes, he flamed no, out I, I agree with that. So I yes. think calling him up afterwards, like, he was already an NBA flame out, and then everyone convinced themselves that this was going to be is a story of redemption. I, I don't, what I'm trying to say is uh, he might come up and just not be Jimmer is essentially it. Like he, I think over his career, he was just slightly more impactful just from not being a flame out. Like he's at least hung around. He's at least made benches. Um, he tried to be, you know, like a sixth or seventh man for the wizards, you know, last year, but he's fine ways to like hang out in somewhat impactful roles. Whereas Jimmer was just like buried and cut and struggled to make rosters, you know, so I think that's the only differentiation I try to make. But I agree. I don't expect him to come up here and do a lot. If he comes up and gives you like eight points off the bench, that would be really good for this team. So people have to like really just temper expectations. Like guys aren't going to waltz out of the G League scoring 33 points a game and then come up here and average 20 plus. That's not how this goes. That's just not how it goes. If that happens. They have a shot at being a good bench person. That's it. And it's good. We can always think. You know, I always go back to when the Knicks were really bad and they brought up Langston Galloway and he was a lot of fun and he, you know, was shooting some threes, but he's also tethered to the Pistons bench now and they have to make roster decisions that they wouldn't have previously wanted to make because they're paying him like three years and like 21 million or something in a terrible contract. So if that's the most realistic expectation that we can have a guy Trey Burke's not a great three-point shooter you know he took like five attempts as a rookie but he only made 32 33 percent I don't think it's too soon to 
say he is completely washed and sucks at basketball, but it's also going to be a point for Hornacek and the coaching staff. They're not just going to bring him up. If they sign him, they're not going to bring him up and all of a sudden, oh, he's going to be playing 25 minutes a game because he's a point guard. You got Jared Jack and Neely Keena getting minutes. You have some minutes with Courtney Lee where he runs the pick and roll. And you have Hardaway Jr. coming back, who was running much more action this year in the pick and roll to a high degree of success, may I add. So I don't exactly know where his role would be if he comes up. That being said, it seems like a no-brainer to take a chance on this and cut a guy like Sessions that's just adding nothing to the team, at least on the court at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, we, we even saw like a second chance at Ramon Sessions, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't good. And it, was, it, was it wasn't good. He showed nothing. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Trey Burke for now. Uh, while we're on the G League, shout out to Isaiah Hicks, the Knicks' other two-way uh, or the Knicks' two-way player, along with uh, Cornet, who uh, had the game-saving block today at the three-point line. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that highlight, but I watched it. Who a couple did they of times play today? Uh, San Antonio's team. Okay. Um, Isaiah so, Hicks is been really good too i mean he was like he played minutes at north carolina he was a forward for them and Cornette, i can't get over Cornette. i think he's the goofiest guy i've ever seen in my entire life he's really lanky he's (laughs) just really really lanky skin and bone too he's just sitting at the three-pointer like all right guys you know just give me the ball you know what i do so uh, that was the same when he played in the summer league too in orlando was the same thing i was like who is this guy i was like (laughs) oh yeah he went to vanderbilt uh, so a couple of last last little hits here before we get out of here. Uh, I want to talk about Courtney Lee, who I saw originally. I was really hyped to talk about Courtney Lee on the podcast today because I saw a stat that I really liked that said that he had sank 43 straight free throws through last night's game and is one free throw away from tying Chris Duhon's record of 44. Chris uh, Duhon. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just like a random stat that's like, OK, Courtney Lee consistent, you know, really Again, speaks to everything we've been saying all season. And then I saw another stat later on that was in, uh, I believe it was in today's Monday Musings column from uh, from Harley, so shout out to him. Yeah, it was. Uh, but it's that Courtney Lee's field goal percentage drops from 48.4 in first half to 37.1 in second half. Uh, not good. Not good for a guy who we talk about being you know, the rock of this team and being really consistent in moments when everyone else struggles. That's not good. Not good. Many are saying it's not good. Many are saying shooting 37% from the floor is not good. I don't not know ideal. what you think, but, you know. Not ideal. Um, I think you can chalk a lot of that up to a lot of the frustrations that we've had with the Knicks in crunch time. And I think Lee is a guy that finds a lot of his offense in the flow of things. He's not a guy that plays in isolation a lot. And... So I think his scoring and his shooting have dropped off in the second halves and specifically fourth quarters. I'm sure I didn't look at the exact numbers, but I'm sure they'd bear that out because you're getting these, you know, Porzingis post-ups that end up just not really coming to fruition. And these other plays that aren't really how they had been playing in the rest of the game and how they want to initiate their offense. Kyle, what do you think? No, I mean, that's, that's kind of what uh, the point that I was going to make is I, you're looking at a lot of woes that the Knicks have right now, especially with the individual players, and they all seem to have a lot of the same issues. You know, the guys are forcing shots. You know, Courtney Lee's trying to be more aggressive in Tim Hardaway's 
absence. So is KP. These guys are taking more contested shots. They're forcing things up. They're trying to draw contact when it's not necessarily there. Um, I mean, even Jared Jack, who doesn't score a ton. I mean, you see him like last night, he was pretty aggressive and trying to get to the line and yeah, play really physical. So I just think that's sort of what's happening right now with the whole team. And that's just how they've been in sort of this, this slide. I, I think, you know, guys are just trying to overcompensate a bit and they're forcing things up. I mean, we've talked about that at length with KP, but even, you know, after Harley wrote that piece and maybe think about it and like, yeah, Courtney Lee has been like the only real playmaker on this team. And at some point, you know, he's going to have to be tasked to score. Cause I mean, he's kind of, I would say the number two, in uh, Tim Hardaway's absence, he's been looked at that way for the most part. Um, so I just think when you when your number one and your number two are both dipping pretty much since Tim Hardaway went down, you got to look at you know the rest of the team. We knew this wasn't a a skilled roster, but you know I, I think this is sort of sometimes the frustrations that um, people have with Horn in a sec because they want you know this is sort of like prove it time for certain coaches. You know a lot of coaches have gotten. Um, praise in the past for getting, you know, under talented teams to overachieve a bit. And I think that's sort of what folks want to see from Hornacek. Not to, not to make this a 50 win team, but just to be like, Hey, he did some nice things with this shit lineup. He found a couple of lineups that worked. And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, when the team's struggling like this, it, it's hard, but he, I mean, he hasn't shown anything yet. So. And the right. other thing and that think, we, oh, sorry, Matt. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Corbo. Yeah, the, go just the other thing we haven't talked about, too, is that, you know, because we, we haven't talked about it since the last podcast, is uh, not only are we down, is Courtney Lee supposed to be the number two now? He's out a Michael Beasley, who, you know, despite whether it was efficient or what else he was doing on the court, was carrying a lot of that scoring load most games. So now, you know, you're out a Tim Hardaway Jr., you're, you're out a Michael Beasley, you have KP, who has not been the most efficient player over the last few weeks. A lot of that is really, now it's, a lot of it is on Courtney Lee, that he has to succeed now. He has to be the other scoring option. He has to turn away uh, you know, from his playmaking, like Kyle was saying, and everything, and really start converting more. And yeah, I mean, it's something that's probably emblematic of the entire team, but draw a 10-point percentage drop-off like that is going to be significant. Okay. I know we got to go soon, but I need to go on a little rant here. Yeah, yeah no, it's something it. that I I can't get over. Dennis Smith little, is bad. Yes. Yeah. If you want to talk about Dennis Smith, just at me at Matt Spendley. Slide in the DMs. Do whatever <laughs> you got to do. I will shit on him all day. And I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's good. Doesn't mean he's useful. So we mm. can talk about that on another day. But the Knicks, we talked about it. They shoot the least amount of threes in the league before last game. Tim Hardaway Jr. was still their leading three-point attempter. He was still leading the team in three-point shots, and he's missed 18 games. Wow. Courtney Lee is shooting 42% from three, and he just passed Hardaway Jr. I don't understand why he doesn't take more threes. I still don't understand why they don't try to get Porzingis more threes. None of these guys want to come out to guard him there. They don't even run KP around that many screens to get him open. Like You can do a lot of guard-on-guard -guard things. Because then if a guard switches on Porzingis for three, that's like an open look for him. It's it's going over nothing. And it's something that we can decide is a coaching issue or if it's a personnel issue or if it's a player issue and they're not looking for those kind of shots. That's something that we can argue about all day. The point is, as long as this Knicks team is in the literal bottom slot 
of three points attempted. I just don't think that they're going to ever be able to maximize the roster and the talent they have. And that's not to say that shooting a lot of threes is a prerequisite to winning or that shooting not many threes is a prerequisite to losing. But I also don't think that you can shoot this little amount of threes, even when you have some guys that can do it and still end up really maximizing the roster. We've seen it. They, they go into game in Miami and they got four threes at the half. They're one for four at the half. You know, you look at the end of the game and they're two for seven. It's just disgusting. You look at teams like Houston and they're taking 42 a game and that's not who the Knicks should be. But at the same time, you got to find a happy medium here. And that's, that's my most frustrating thing beyond Porzingis struggles, which are some things I think he'll figure out. And I see him getting into bad habits and that's what's most concerning. The three point shooting is just, I can't get over it. That's my rant on the Knicks three point. I was shooting. just trying. I was just trying to find. I'm going through uh, the last couple of games on basketball references. I'm, I was just trying to find the last time the Knicks outshot an opponent from three uh, this season, and I'm I'm pretty far back. I can't find it. I was gonna say I doubt it. I don't, it's, it's probably been a while because they maybe a team like uh, like I don't think Sacramento shoots many threes, and they played them earlier in the year. Like that's that's all I can really. Okay, I have really think off the top. I'm just double checking now. I think I might have the winner. Um, yeah, it's looking like November twentieth versus the Clippers. Okay, yeah, that makes sense too. Yep, the Knicks shots. Let's see, a surprising thirty-four. Uh, thirty-four threes. Yeah. Oh my god! And they won that game by I think twenty-five points. Uh, let's see. Yep, they you destroyed the Clippers in that game. You, I think that they, was a big Dougie game, if I remember. But yeah, they, it's either they, here nor there. It's something that they need to fix. Yeah, without any doubt. Um, okay, but you know there is a, a shimmering light of hope here because Tim Hardaway Jr. is on his way again. You know, on his way, like we've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, at least now he's got his five on fives in. He's got his scrimmaging in. Uh, I don't think they said any exact date on it but he said some he said that he hopes sometime on the uh west coast trip so hope we'll see maybe you can turn this around a little bit i'm getting worried it's like the andrew luck thing with the colts where they said oh yeah he'll be back week one and then it came week three and they're like no after the bye week seven he's gonna be good and then he just never came back hardaway jr is gonna come back i just want it to be now (laughs) because he's been honestly my favorite nick to watch this year besides the first 10 games of porzingis I can't believe they got off 13 three-point shots against Miami. It's disgusting. And Miami shoots like the second most threes in the league or something. They chuck thanks to Wayne Ellington. That man, once a Nick, always a once Nick. Once a Nick, always a Nick. And Wade for nothing, like several great Knicks. I, I, I never got that either. He's a role player. You know? Jesus Christ, they shot 42. Yep, I'm telling oh you. Oh, my shot. God. I think Ellington himself probably took 14 or something crazy. He takes a, an inordinate amount of threes. That's wild. Um, I know, man. You guys have anything else tonight? Kyle? Kyle? Oh, sorry. Uh was on mute. No, uh, <laughs> I think that about covers it. Yeah, that's not, not been a, a huge week for the Knicks, but a uh, couple of things brewing. I think we might have a little bit more to talk about on uh, Thursday when I talk to you guys again. So be on the lookout when that comes out on Friday. As I mentioned to everyone earlier on the podcast, uh, Off the Wall has officially launched 
Uh, it is live. It is subscribable. It is rateable, and it's reviewable. So you should do all of those things. You should also do all of those things for the TKW podcast because we have not plugged that enough lately. And uh, and do it on your friend's phone. Do it on. I know Kyle just went to an Apple store and did it on a bunch of those phones. All the Apple stores, all the Best Buy stores, all the Target in your area. All like the stores. we want to make a map of this shit. Like I want, I want a heat map. I want to be able to see where people are, you know, subscribing heavy, where people are are pretty light on it, and I want it all to match up to Apple stores. I want it in the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. I want to find, you know, they got those tablets. You can find the price. Just find the podcast on there. I don't care if it's not on there. Just find it. Figure Hack it out. It. Do what you got to do. Subscribe. Um, yeah. And also, big, make sure to head to thenextwall.com and read the articles that are wonderfully edited by Matt Spendley and Reed Goldsmith. Uh, I don't, I don't know where some people get off, guys. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, some, some harsh critique today, but. Uh, But yeah, I think that's about it. I think we've kind of covered it all. So we'll talk to you guys all uh, later on this week. Bye, guys.